Welcome to the Texans! And again, watching his skates. Over the middle, it's cut. Akins and the tight end rumbles in for the touchdown. Here's Watson now. Blockers in front. Lowers the shoulder and in. He throws on the run. Welcome to episode 30 of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Texans straight from the Great British Isles. It's a Texans schedule release as of the 2020 schedule was out on Thursday night. Amidst the pandemic, the NFL continues to plough on and we've got somebody this week who's uniquely poised to talk about not only the Texans, but the wider situation at large. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing alright, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, definitely. Uh, it's... Uh, it's um, Interesting as you sort of adjust to uh, quarantine life, but we're uh, we're getting yeah, there. Yeah, I keep seeing uh, everyone keeps talking about strange times and unusual circumstances. I think uh, we're kind of getting used to it now, aren't we? But um, if we can get back to normal soon, that would be good. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the Texans have given us a fair amount. I think to chat about this off season. Uh, <laughs> you could say that again. Very, uh, <laughs> very top line. How have you? How have you? From your point of view, how have you seen it gone? Ah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, um, either Bill O'Brien is a, a crazy genius who knows exactly what he's doing, or it's it's um, not so good. I don't know. It's 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 one or the other. I'm fifty fifty on it. To begin with, um, with the with the nook trade, I thought, ah, this is this is going to go badly wrong. But we seem to have made some good acquisitions, and uh, am I confident? I don't know. I don't know if I'm confident, but. Um, is it as bad as some people are saying? Uh, no, I think I think I think there are some some good points in there. I think we're it, it's not as bad as some people are saying. Certainly on social media. I don't know whether you uh, visit Reddit at all, but um, the Reddit uh, sub subreddit for for the Texans is a, is an interesting place. It um, tends to look at things quite uh, in an extreme way, um, but, but it, I'd say it's split. It's about fifty fifty. Some people are looking forward to it, and some people are dreading it. Yeah, I think if you if you take uh, Texans Twitter or Reddit, I do read a bit. Um, it's yeah, you're always going to get some. I think I think Facebook's probably the worst, uh, yeah. which I stay away from. Uh, yeah. But I think Twitter seems to have a bit more um, variance. But yeah, I think Reddit's kind of a bit of a tough one. I think sometimes to I, I like it. It makes me laugh, um, but sometimes I, I come away thinking, oh god. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, there's. I mean, yeah, you'll always get varying opinions, and everyone's got the right to them. I think, and it's just that what I'm very consciously trying to do is be balanced and and see it from a wider perspective. And I think there's there's there is some Texas media out there, not a lot, that does a good job of that. Yeah. Um, and it's good to just to try and understand that, you know, it's not you know we see a very small percentage of what goes on, and uh, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg kind of stuff, and we'll you know we'll find our way at some point it's may right now so you know it's difficult to see what teams are going to be good and what are going to be bad and there's some obvious ones and some less obvious but yeah it's interesting i think as you know i've got all this stuff going on i think that kind of makes it you know amplifies people's sort of emotions and and yes. uh outrage to kind of stuff like that so uh, yeah like i say it's a, it's a funny time i think we've probably been the most active team in the news and and uh we'll see how that goes but as i said we're sitting in May, a later than normal for uh, for the league's year, yearly cycle schedule release comes out comes out Thursday night. Before yeah. we get into it, Mike, in terms of some of the 
nuances of in the stretches that's probably going to define this team's season. Um, we've got a global pandemic uh, going on. Um, some people have kind of criticised the NFL for being tone deaf, if you like, and in, in with the absence of other sports. But you see, you know, the Bundesliga in Germany. There's you know leagues in Asia that have now returned in in terms of football. Um, what do you well from your point of view, um, from your background into this? What, 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 how do you see it right now? Well, so um, where I work, I, I work for a business that um, has a manufacturing uh, facilities across the US, um, and different states are in in, in different positions. Um, for the majority of the manufacturing uh, facilities that, that I work with are, are, have been working. As normal, if not as normal, they've been open for business. There's an awful lot in the US that is open for business, um, and as you know, as far as I can sort of tell, it's the NFL is, is looking at it. It has to release a, a schedule. It's an expensive game to run. There's a lot of people who are going to lose a lot of money if the season doesn't go ahead. Not to mention fans uh, really needing something to look forward to. So um, it, it's going to go ahead. Uh, they've said themselves that um, they're going to be flexible. You know, but you have to set out your plans. You have to state that you, you know, this this is what you're going to do. This is Plan A. There's a room full of people who have got a Plan B and a Plan C ready, I'm sure. Um, but but different states are in in different places. Um, what we found is um, some states, you know, you can probably you you could probably fill a stadium now. In other states, um, you know, those states are going to be locked down. So for example, sort of California. Um, at the moment, they're not going to be able to. They wouldn't do anything now, but in a couple of months, I'm sure they'd be able to uh, to do it. But it's 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 one of those ones that you can't you can't sort of um, plan too much for. So they have to they have to release a schedule. They've got to release a schedule. They've got to they've got to to, to say this is what we want to do, and they've got to be flexible. You know, they, they could lose by they could lose by weeks. They could move things around. They've stated themselves that you know the. the they're going to be flexible. They're going to, going to watch things as, as things happen. Um, my view is it's going to become more clear when the training camp starts, so July. Um, you know, when the training camp starts, it's going to be clearer how the teams are going to be managing the social distancing. It's going to be clearer how, um, you know, what the medical rules are going to be. Are, are players going to need to be tested? Um, you know, and also by July, it's going to be clearer how the pandemic is actually petering out is it is it is it reducing is there going to be a second wave um there's this there's so much there are so many variables um it's difficult to plan for every option but you've got to have a plan and then you've just got to you know move that plan and, and make that plan fit yeah and i think the biggest argument isn't it is that you get that you know in very common second wave of of infections um yeah California looks an interesting one. It looks like in the schedule that they've actually planned for that, where where um, the Rams could play all their games in Vegas. With the only yep. sort of upset would be they'd be the first team to play. I think, or is it the Chargers? I can't remember. Either one of the LA teams can play in Vegas. They can also yep. play in Arizona. Yeah, sorry, it was the Chargers to play in Vegas, and uh, and then the Rams actually. I think they, they aligned their dates so they weren't ever at home at the same time as the Cowboys, which is quite interesting. It's a bit of a travel, but. Yeah. You can obviously see those, you know, the you know the states nearby which are less affected, hotter climates, or drier climates, if you like, um, that are necessarily going to be, um, uh, you know, at or at the minute isn't as affected. But as you see, the kind of breakdown or the the breakup of some of the measures. Yeah, I mean, 
that, that, that's the thing. I think oh, you look at Vegas. Vegas is is desperate to be reopened. Um, you know, and they, they they'd welcome a game. I'm sure they'd welcome a game. And there are, there are plenty of alternative you know alternative places where games can be played. Um, I, I guess the effect is you know how how's that going to work on the fans? But potentially, if things are bad enough to be moving games around, then we're probably going to be playing games without crowds as well. Um, you know, so if if it's that bad, you can move a game possibly easier than if you were you know planning to plan to move a game and all the spectators and everything you're just moving a game so it's probably going to be a game behind closed doors i suspect and the issue with that which i don't think is probably been discussed enough is that when you've just agreed a new collective and a bargain agreement with the players union on the basis of a percent of the players salary cap mm-hmm. amount is determined by a percentage of total income and when that percentage of total income suddenly drops circa I think what they've worked out approximately per team for the, to lose the eight home games all in sweets merchandise concession stands tickets is roughly a hundred million so yeah. to lose that hundred million and they get say 49 percent of that hundred million for that to then be wiped off the salary cap in future years or potentially have to be mitigated at some point and the, yeah. the players don't necessarily receive the the uptick that they thought in salaries they might get when the new television deals are calculated, then, you know, something's going to have to give at some point because, you know, and, and I think the sad reality is with a lot of this stuff that economics will trump humanity and things will go on. And I think people forget sometimes that, particularly from the perspective over a year that, in the UK, then actually, you know, the American economy and things like that is very is, is a very differently it is. Uh, it's different makeup to what we have here, and I, it and there's a lot less kind of uh, you know st- state and social kind of funding of stuff. So actually, you know, things need to, to move, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think you're right, mate. I think it will. The show must go on. I think it's the mantra they'll take, but only because it's the way the model's built rather than necessity. Yeah, I mean, I, I try and stay away from political comment, and I'm going to stay away from political comment now. But if you just look at the the American economy, you, you're right. There's there's a lot less uh, a lot less state funding of things, a lot less uh, willingness to see that state funding as well. You know, I talk to some of my U.S. colleagues, um, and their 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 attitude is very different to to how you would expect over here in the U.K. You know, we were talking about. You know, not not wanting to go into the office and wanting to work from home, um, but I, I sort of talking to the the guys in the US and their their their, their view of it is very much you know try and stop us from working. You know, they they want to work. That the work ethic is completely different. Um, you know, and there's there's lots of reasons for that, but I think uh, you can see that you can see that in the news. You can see there's a there's a lot more protest in the US about, you know, wanting to open the country up and get it back to normal, you know, and these people, they know about the potential hazards. They know, they know, you know, that it's, it's, there's still a pandemic, but they're they're willing to take that risk. And I think um, that means that we're more likely to see, we're more likely to see people turn up for games. Um, But yeah, I I guess, you know, they'll, they'll make the decisions closer to the, closer to the time. I guess they'll be selling tickets and uh, refunding tickets if closer to the game they decide to to go ahead without crowds but i mean the impact on players salaries you know you're right there's 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 going to be quite a big impact if we start playing games without without crowds but everyone's going to be in the same boat so it's it's not going to be a case of you know it's not going to be a thing that's going to make a player decide to want to drop a team or go somewhere else or you know get itchy feet everyone's going to be feeling the same pain 
Um, and they'll be far better off playing games behind closed doors than not playing any games at all. You know, if the season's cancelled, where where would that leave them? We're in a much worse place. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there'll be a, a season played. You know, there's talk of a reduced games. There was rumours of the of the NFC AFC games would be weeks one to four. Yeah. Um, actually, the Texans have got them in weeks one to seven. Um, yeah. And then they've got the Chicago at the back end, which was actually a bit of a disaster from personal point of view because the Chicago trip has been on the circled on the calendar for a long time coming. So uh, that close to Christmas, etc. I don't know how. And uh, how clo- you know, and how optional that will be, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it was yeah, no, it was interesting to see that. Obviously, the, you know, the week one they, they wanted to go on. Also, you know, one of the first things I always look for where is the bye week. Every year, I think the Texans seem to do all right actually out of the bye week. Yeah, but um, but but certainly every team that shares week two um shares the same bye week. So. There's that flexibility built in as well. Now, how you do that, play week one, potentially, by closed doors, no week two and week three, possibly, I don't know. Um, yeah. How much material difference that would make when it looks like week one's going ahead, I don't know. Do the first you know, three or four weeks of the season then get flexed to the back end and they move the, and they move the Super Bowl back? Because actually one thing that's been really interesting, which I didn't know, that if you apply for a Super Bowl, you have to also give a number of dates before and after as possible yeah bookings because you know of anything that may happen um, mm-hmm. you know and you think like somewhere like florida which is you know notorious for kind of inclement weather you know that's that's you know in, in tampa bay this year meant to be february the 7th um we'll, we'll find out if that doesn't get pushed back because i think you know feasibly it doesn't make any difference to anybody if the season moves by a number of weeks and actually probably not now i think the part of the the, the sort of extended uh, games where the fact that, that, that they want the, the national holiday to for our public holiday on the Monday to follow the Super Bowl yeah. um, is the ideal so they've never managed to do that so if it's a way around that this year then potentially that that gets to that goal um, but uh, yeah I think there's a lot of questions to be answered between now and when the uh, when the season will start but it's it's interesting I think for from our point of view um, looking at the texting schedule there was obviously some Clear stuff that stood out. Obviously, week one um, was much oh, rumored all week, and it uh, <laughs> it came it came to light that it was the case. Um, yeah. So if we take week one in isolation, opener at Kansas City, that was the stadium I was in last year. Yeah. Saw us beat them, uh, and then we obviously then the acrimonious fall from grace from a twenty four point lead in the playoffs. I think it's one of those games that you can either go and win, and they say, well, they can do it in the regular season. Can they do it in the playoffs? Or if you lose, then you say, well. This team looks further away than it is, so it kind of feels like whatever the Texans do week one might not necessarily, you know, be for their betterment in terms of perception. Yeah, uh, yeah. If we if we actually manage to pull off a win in week one, um, I think that that's. I don't think we will, by the way. Um, but if we if we if we if if the Chiefs come out and they're you know it's it's start the season, maybe they didn't have a great preseason. Um, and, and we and we win that 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 everyone will be talking about you know are we going to win the Super Bowl now and everyone's going to be really excited and yeah I think then we're looking for a I, I think we're looking then for some disappointment afterwards when we we come down to earth um, but yeah I mean obviously I, I desperately hope that we win Week One but I don't think we will do you I mean do you really think so I, I think it's it's not going to happen I think the Chiefs are going to come come out flying um, and we've got a you know we've got a team that is 
not quite completely new look, but we, we don't know how it's really going to work. We're going to have the preseason and the training camp and everything, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not feeling positive about week one. I'm willing to give week one up. <laughs> yeah, and I think the part of the, the hard schedule at the start is you get those games out of the way and then you yeah. can build momentum down the stretch, which is probably the most important thing because you want to be playing your best football at the end of the season. Yeah, and we're going to learn so much. We're going to learn so much in, in, in week one and week two, to be honest. But, but you know, I, I, I'd, I'd give up a win just to learn some lessons and come out with a team that's, that's, that's a bit stronger and knows more about each other and knows more about its strengths and weaknesses. You know, unless, like I said before, you know, Bill O'Brien's the crazy genius that we all hope he really is underneath all of that, and uh, and 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 teaches us all a lesson in week one. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the absence of training camps the biggest thing because we've got to get ready two and a bit days before every other team, apart from yeah. the Chiefs, to get to get ready for that game. Yeah. The the focus that will be on that game, you know, not dissimilar to when there was a break after nine eleven yeah. and a sort of welcomed return. You know, it's a well trodden phrase at the minute, return to normalcy, which I'm trying to avoid to say. Yeah. Go, so that, that if the you know there's there's an opportunity to shine, there's an opportunity to wilt, you know, early in the season. And I, I think for us it's it's one of those things actually if I think about the matchups and how we exploited them yeah. when we played them in week one. We should have won that game by at least 15, you know, 14, 17 points. Yeah. And actually the biggest cause of that was actually, you know, and what you can kind of see when and what kind of gives me some comfort amongst all the madness. And actually if you, you take a focused look at it, speed is the trend and whether you like it or not and you know taking emotions aside of you know the 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 beloved departed but speed's a trend that saw them get to the super bowl and win the super bowl and the one of their fastest players made probably you know the whatever it was x wasp yeah you know z slant or whatever the whatever the play that was everybody was talking about that was all you know derived by speed the player that goes first in the draft this year at wide receiver henry rogues the third all game is based on speed and actually if I think of if the, if the if they can get you know a sort of level of acclimation from Randall Cobb yeah. and Brandon Cooks to go with Will Fuller and obviously the biggest variable as we all know and is sick to the back teeth to talking about it is Will Fuller can stay healthy and so is he and, he's not even healthy now <laughs> well that's it but if you follow him on yeah. Instagram actually when you're looking at how he's dealing with these hamstring injuries yeah he he's he that is the bulk of his training is all based around I think he's doing like two hundred meters worth of lunges or something every day and he kept posting it because he obviously knows nobody more than him wants to be healthy in the hamstring injuries and soft tissue injuries so he's trying to build up that strength and he looks like he has actually developed in in that sense so you know you know and it's about time because it's an odd one actually and not to digress too much but Fuller's never been injured his whole career he's you know in high school college he never had a history of injuries and he's just been you know, we've been robbed of a real talent there. So, yeah. you know, touch wood, that can come ahead. But anyway, but back to the point was that actually I think speed is set up to actually go and attack a defence like Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it, it potentially, it has, it's always been one of our strengths. And it's, you know, I think where we where we came unstuck last season was usually their, their defence was better than our defence. Um, simple, simple as that. Um we are, if we if we can if we've got the right players if everybody's on the field and everyone plays to the potential that maybe Bill O'Brien has seen and and that we know of the players that we know 
um, we we could be we could win this game. We could win this game. Um, but I still think there's a big question mark over our defence. And I, I would be happy. I would be happy with a close game. So I, you know, if we come out of this with only a couple, if we lose it, but we we lose it by only a few points, I'd come out of that with a great deal of confidence. I think it's a really good early measuring stick because I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to be on top of their game. I, I really am. Um, so I think it's a good early measuring stick. If we can come out of that with our heads held high, if not a win, um, I think I'd, I'd be I'd be okay. I'd be I'd be comfortable and maybe feeling confident. Yeah, the, yeah. I think the the best bit about this is is well, I think on yeah on one side it's it's a barometer of where this team is and how ready are they to play. Yeah. Now the O'Brien has not necessarily been in the way he approaches pre-season. I think sometimes you know a lot of the the uh, the records that, that he's put out and this will be year seven that he's going into. Actually, we've started the season slow, yeah. so you know that luxury can potentially be afforded to us. But what it what we can't do is be blown out in a way that gives us an acrimonious embarrassment yeah. to the fact that then you lump on all the off-season shade that's been thrown their way. If you combine those two together, the pressure in the wider media will build. And that's got to be the concern because when I first saw this come out, and not and look, and I, I think there's, there's both ways, and I think some people have said to me, you know, you're a bit of an apologist, and I think sometimes I probably have been. But for me that, you know, my first inclination when this schedule came out was, you know, this is a make, it already was a make or break year, let's be honest, we've leveraged drafts into this year, you know, we leveraged, you know, this year's draft into this year and next year, so like, you know, if this doesn't come off in, in, in any way beyond like at least last year's AFC, you know, on the verge or if not AFC Championship would show progress. Yeah. If not, we're kind of treading water and that, that's been the feeling for the last two seasons. So if it's to be a third, then, you think you know whatever side of the fence you sit on you know it'll either be successful or will, or it'll engender some change so it, it's got the potential to, to make big changes you know for us and you know and that's good i think because they say you know iron sharpens iron and we'll be up there against the best too and i think our formula or, or the way in which they've chosen a different way to play and um, with speed and move away from a you know a a possession type receiver and i think yeah. obviously we'll see that more with tight ends we've got more passing options at the backfield You've got somebody like Karan Higdon, who's an interesting prospect at running back, is the third the third back there. So, and Scotty Phillips have picked up as an undrafted free agent. So there, there there's reasons to be optimistic in the defense, but the, but we've never been consistent enough to have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But what what I think is the the big one, and you touched on it earlier there, Mike, is the defense, and that's everybody's biggest concern because in a game like Kansas City, and not to kind of go over week one in so much depth, but I think it's a, it's a very good example for us when it's offense against offense, you know, I think everybody can re you know reasonably be comfortable with that. Yeah. But what I think they can't be comfortable with is when it's defensive strength. And week two and three provide that. At yeah. home to the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, you just never know when he's going to sort of break a play. And, you know, that game kind of went out of control and it's, you know, it's almost impossible to look at how many different things went wrong. Um, you obviously had the, the Hopkins uh, pass interference call, not called. Probably should have been a penalty and the ball in the one-yard line. Yeah. Didn't get called and the game kind of spiralled. But up to that point, actually, blocked a field goal. It felt like, you know, we're in this. Um, and it spiralled. And that feeling of of teams under O'Brien, whether it be the 30-0 defeat by the Chiefs in the playoffs, whether it be, you know, 20, I think it was, was it 2015, where we had 
the, the defeat to Atlanta, the defeat to Miami, and probably yeah. some of the worst days I've ever watched this team in sort of a decade. That spiral feeling can't that can't come in early, nope. and also I think what'll tell us by the end of weeks one to three is you know is this defense got a bit of grit that it just faded so badly last year down the stretch in yeah. terms of the pass rush, and they didn't spend any money on a pass rusher, and nope. this season of all seasons we cannot rely on rookies at any position to contribute when they've got no off season or a limited off season. Yeah, I mean I, I guess the um... You could say that facing these teams at the start of the season means that we're less likely to be. Uh, we're still going to have, still going to have a full strength, hopefully, uh, defense. So it's it's um it's probably a good time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to you've got two teams that are fantastic going forwards. Um, you know, they're quick, got quick offense, and and then 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 the only thing that's different between them is how good the defense is. And yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an interesting one because you think of the, and I think that brings us on to the next point quite nicely without trying to go it through in a chronological order. Is yeah. we could, we you know, we could very well be sitting on three. Pittsburgh's a tough place to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, a team that you know, okay, you look, it might be the case that they, you know, you just don't know where that offense will be and and what Roth, you know, what sort of shape Roethlisberger will come back in and is he ready to play and. You know, have they necessarily done enough? It looks like they've just set themselves up to run the ball this year. I think that's that looks quite apparent, and they're going to try and get by with, with you know, with uh, with a run game and a, you know, and a and a great defense. By the way, that's you know, since they brought Minka Fitzpatrick into that that unit, that just completely changed the complexion of it. So, but but that being said, the Texans, okay, you know, open up the league, all eyes on us, and you think we're kind of getting used to actually playing prime time games now when you've got a franchise quarterback. Week two is the later kickoff, but it's not a prime, a true prime time game. Yeah. And uh, and then even which you know is a is a cheesy as network proposition as the battle of the Watt brothers has been shunned to a twelve o'clock kickoff. Yeah, as is potentially a minimum of thirteen games this year. Yeah. Is it was it two pro is it two two prime time games or something like that? It's, well, it's... one true prime time. I don't think the the the, the we'll come on to the later one on yeah. Thanksgiving. But yeah, I think we've only been given one true prime time slot this year at a possible five. Yeah, and that is that a, is that a, I mean, so the sort of social media is suggesting that that's uh, that's that's not a vote of confidence from the league. Um, and, but there's also been some suggestions that it's it's. Uh, Payback to Houston for for the whole Astros thing as well. I don't think it's that at all, personally. I think that's that's just paranoia. Um, but yeah, I, but the AFC South generally hasn't had um, hasn't hasn't got some great slots, has it? I mean, it's not. Well, no. I think the the Colts have got one, and yeah. their only one is against Tennessee. And Tennessee have only got two in total. Yeah. And the, their only other one is a Monday night against Denver to open to to close off the opening weekend. We're not go getting... ahead. So. So we're not getting a lot of love, but we're getting more love than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, 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 context, I guess. Yeah, I is that an indictment of inner league circles and their thoughts of how good the division will be? Because there's been some terrible Jags Tennessee games. There's yeah. been the, the Thursday night against the Colts wasn't great because they didn't really have any offensive firepower. So therefore, yeah. you know that makes then networks turn away from it. But. <sighs> 
is that a barometer of the level of confidence that inner league circles have got with the you know with Tannehill continuing that form, which is just unsustainable for anybody to play like that. Never yeah. mind the guy who's had many seasons and a, a big enough data set for us to realise he's not truly that. But obviously he was in a good situation and he played to his strengths and an emerging rookie wide receiver etc. Great run game. Does that? Does that mean that people don't have the confidence in that and they don't have the confidence in Philip Rivers coming into that Frank Reich system and taking taking off from day one? Um, quite possibly, because yeah, it I, just I would seem... So. Yeah, I, I think, think so. it maybe seems that... Now, that's a positive for us, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah that's a definite... Um, if you want to look at it that way, that's a that's a definitely a glass-half-full way of looking at it. But, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know... Yeah. I guess um, if you look at if you look at the um, AFC South and and think about um, oh, you think about the quality in that even with the, even with question marks over the the changes to the Texans um, and the direction that Bill O'Brien seems to be going um, we're still we're still we're still in with a chance I'd say we're still probably one of the top teams in that we. Top, maybe top of the of, of the FC South. Still, is it is it a given? Would you say? I, I don't think it's necessarily a given. I mean, I think we've we've been given it in years. I think from, yeah. from you know from the the lock retirement yeah. to you know to, to various other factors. You know, I think the, the big the big. I mean, if you take the the divisional you know games, if you yeah. like, or the divisional opponents, because that, that's what shapes the division. Yeah, right? yeah. So we've got again. This seems to we've kind of sort of combined two kind of traditions here um with the Texans seem to get that, that late seat the you know the third 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 from end week of the season a flex game so the at yeah. Indianapolis they've returned you know we always seem to go up there late yeah. um we're doing that again it's on the same Saturday we played the yeah. we played the Bucks last year the Jets the year prior on that that's that Saturday um just before Christmas so that seems to that's a particular again not a true prime time game. No. Uh, but we've got them the Colts two out of three weeks in December, yeah. um, and then we played Tennessee at home again for yeah. the final game of the season. Um, so that's going to be the business stretch of the schedule. Now we'll come back on it with some of the earlier stuff, and you know that that may well be academic by the time we get there, depending on how we handle business early. Oh, I I. I've got a feeling that that last game of the season is going to make a difference. I think it's one that we're going to have to turn out for. I think it's not, it's not going to be a, everything's decided and we don't have to worry about it. I think having those, having that game at the end of the season, and I think, I think it's going to be closer than it, than it certainly was last season. Um, yeah. The big bit that stands out for me, I think if you look at our schedule, yeah. you know, pre-buy, Probably as tough as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Post buy, we've only got our our three closest home games post the buy is the twenty fifth October, the twenty second November, and then yeah. the sixth of December. Yeah. Um. So that added in together is is, a, is probably you know do you want to be at home to be play better on the road? There was there was a train of thought and a theory that was going around last season, um, and I think it's very pertinent to how the schedules put. You know, been fleshed out particularly with the timings mm-hmm. was that this team didn't 
Well, that in fact, it was the it was almost the opposite of what we our identity had been in the past. We won the games we should should have, you know, the, the opposition that was arguably inferior to us, mm-hmm. but didn't beat the teams that were above us and never played up to the occasion. There was some unearthing of a really kind of refreshing sort of aspect of beating New England, beating you know big games on the you know big game on the road at yeah. Tennessee, big one on Thursday night, and a short week against the Colts. Went up to Kansas City and won. Went to the Chargers, you know, and and won against Philip Rivers. At that point, you know, the wheels quite, hadn't quite come off for them. So there was that kind of like coming of age kind of performances. But then what just let this team bad down badly, and it's done in the last few years has been its strength at home. And if you think of the Denver game last year, mm-hmm. uh, that you know the Carolina game, all games that you know, okay, the Carolina game. I think if it was one deep ball away from connecting they probably win that game but you know the week two last year against the Jags we probably you know without the absence of you know Justin Reed putting his shoulder on the line for a two point failed two point conversion then game goes to overtime do you win that as well so all but all those three games those poor performances had something in common and that was a 12 noon kickoff right and that is all we've got pretty much from week three onwards um bar that indianapolis game being flexed probably to the saturday slot once the college season can go i mean if there's a college season right enough so that this team's gonna have to find a way to to turn up and play well at, at 12 o'clock now last year when i was in nrg against atlanta and I, that's always been my probably the biggest thing when you go to a, a 12 o'clock game versus a primetime game in Houston, the difference in how quickly the stadium fills up, the, the atmospheric kickoff, it's it, it's night and day by definition, but the, the, the volume and the anticipation of the crowd is just not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's got to be a concern and it's got that kind of, and it's got probably, I think as people become a bit more disillusioned with it, it's got that kind of, you know, the, it's always a phrase, the country club feel to it, you know, the, that yeah. people have turned up to the polo match to watch and it's so all I, very kind of... I hadn't really thought, I hadn't really thought of that aspect, but, you know, that, that also, the, the risk with that is if we have a terrible start to the season, you know, if we lose those difficult first games and people do get genuinely disillusioned and the pressure mounts on O'Brien and, and, and actually the fan base does turn into the Reddit fan base... Um, that, that's not going to help us at all, you know. Assuming that there's anybody actually in the stadiums, um, you know, that that could that could destroy the atmosphere further, couldn't it? I mean, that that could actually place us a, a, a bigger disadvantage. Yeah, and I think you know when you've got the Astros playing well um, and people being watching those games the night before, and that was what concluded with the, the yeah. game against Atlanta that was out. But I mean, it was a tangible kind of difference between. The previous year when I was there, when we played the Cowboys, you know, a huge kind of, uh, just just an, you know a huge shift and you know and you know anticipation and atmosphere and, it, and it, you know and the players that that seeps onto the field. Yeah, Let's it does. Make no mistake about it. Um, and that was always the argument that Watson plays in well in these big games um, on prime time and doesn't necessarily look ready to go. It was obviously that video of him back out in the field after the Carolina game trying to pick it up and learn. But this team showed particular in offence, and it comes back to the offence, a lack of consistency to move the ball and be productive early in games and be chasing their tail in the the, the third and fourth quarter and even the second quarter at times, if you look at the Denver game yeah. that they were behind. So if there's one thing they're going to have to find a way is to play games early and come out the blocks in early games because they've got, they're not going to, they're simply not going to have a choice because they've just not got the prime time games 
there to do it. So it, it's an interesting one, I think, from that point of view, because how they how they find a way around that, I don't know. Well, um, the, the the added the added sort of wild card factor in this is actually you might we might even be looking at games where there's no crowd. So you know, if motivation is a thing, if motivation early early doors is a problem, then you know they've got to fix that. They've got to fix that because it could be that some of these games, some of these key games, there's there's it's, they're going to be playing with a backdrop of silence. Um, that's going to be a completely different experience. That's got to be something that they're going to have to um, get their heads around pretty quickly, I would think. Yeah, I think. I, and look, I mean, it's yeah, as we said, probably probably not going to be the case. But you know, the, yeah, but. But regardless, there's going to be an instance where we need to find ways to start games, early kickoffs, well, um, or this season, you know, has got the potential to kind of to spiral. And if you think of the kind of pinch points of the season, we're talking about games at home, early kickoffs. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a two game span. You know, if we think of the first seven games we've got, right, this, this is where the season will, you know, will be either, you know, determine its trajectory, whether it's going to be, you know, a 10, 11, 12 win season. Or is it going to be a nine, eight, or even a seven win season? It'll be, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have an idea of that after the first seven games. Or the first seven, we play five playoff teams. We play Mahomes, Jackson, which we covered, and then yeah. we play uh, Roethlisberger in in Pittsburgh, and then we've got home games against uh, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and we've also got a trip to Tennessee wedged in there. I'm getting excited just talking about it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> And and Jacksonville at home, so I think, yeah. and it, but but what I think we didn't show. I think we was it not last season we won two lost one. Uh, that was the pattern for the entire season. But we've got two really kind of key stretches. I think back to back home games um, that we need to kind of get back to a position where we're winning. You know, six seven out of the eight home games yeah. to give this team a chance, particularly this season. Because if you think we've got the the Minnesota. Jacksonville game. Say we are zero and three, which is more than plausible. Yeah. Minnesota, Jacksonville, at Tennessee, at Green Bay. That stretch of four games. By that time, before we hit the bye, which is a wee bit earlier than normal, but it that's where we'll we'll know about this team because those you know building momentum, getting people in early, playing well at twelve o'clock kickoffs. You know, if if that's not been realised by the third quarter of the Jacksonville Jaguars game, you know, you can you can see the pressure mounting there. Yeah, we we need to bank those games. Those game those are games that we can't afford. If we if we're expecting to you know make playoffs, we can't afford to lose those games. Those are the sort of games that you know you you, you should be able to bank on. Um, I know that no games are games you can bank on, especially with the Texans, right? But um, we'll win the games you don't expect us to win, and then and then sort of throw the ones that should be the the ones that you can tick off before they even start. But I would say the Vikings and the Jags, that they they should be bankers. We we ought to we ought to be able to you know reliably take those teams and and actually by that point by that point in the season really show the quality that the team's got and really see the the plan that Bill's got for the team if that's not if that's not obvious by then regardless of those first three games of the season I think we're we're going to struggle I think that the rest of the season is going to be one of acrimony and um, and, and one where the fans you're going to you're going to start losing the fans I think that's right I think if we go into the bye you know at less than three wins yeah. then yeah it's, it's, it's trouble at that point and I think where it will come you know and say you, you do go in three you've got a chance to pull it back and say but you know we, we find a way to win at home well then at Tennessee and at Green Bay uh, Tennessee you know it's going to be an early momentum 
set or for you know for the division uh, for our first division yep. game up there uh, again it's a noon kickoff I think probably the biggest underrated storyline I think and I've heard other people talk about it as well is the fact that Vrabel's actually going to call the defence in Tennessee Yeah. Um, from which we know from his single season in 17 uh, it doesn't look pretty at times regardless of what's going on in the field and I know there's a lot of injuries so it's probably not fair kind of calling or a fair reflection of what he is like as a play caller but you know they've lost a bit of talent on that side of the ball and mm-hmm. there's always the rumours which will hate to see if Jadavian Clowney ends up there um, and we've got to see him uh, in in week uh, in week seven or yeah. Week six, yeah sorry week six against the uh, against them so uh, that, yeah that'll be that'll be a big point and then if we can come back in we don't know where Green Bay is going to be and how them how all that moves in the draft doesn't necessarily upset them uh, or upset the one man that, that makes them tick so you know a good defense there but again it's it's again it's that the strength of the defense teams is where I where I think we may we may encounter troubles. That's definitely not this the case probably with Tennessee, probably not with Jacksonville, probably not with Minnesota with all the guys they've lost on the back yeah. end. You know, basically reworked their whole cornerback group. You know, they drafted Damon Arnett and and uh, Gladney in the first round. Of, you know, from TCU. So these guys, you know, these are all fresh guys. So if they're relying on that. Teams that you go up against this season that are relying on rookie contributions at key positions like corner. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'll fancy our chances against that. But yeah, as we get into that by for any less than three wins, I think, yeah, there's there, there could be big pressure there. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to head I mean you don't want to head into that without without having a chance. <laughs> you know, I think I think that uh, if we don't have those three wins, I hopefully more, right? But if we don't have those three wins, I think it's um it's looking grim. It's looking grim. I mean, the Packers are going to be difficult as well, aren't they? Let's be honest. It's it's a it's going to be a really tough game too. So let, let's say you know, if we're going to are you in the are you in the you know business of making predictions? Um, I may as well. I've got plenty of time in hands. Let's go for it. We can always look back on it. Go for it. Yeah. So I, I think we I think we're going to beat the Jags. I think we're going to beat the Titans. Um, ah, we're going to beat the Packers. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm, I think the Packers might be uh, might be. A, a, a bit of a difficult one. Um, if I think if, if merciless is, is, is firing on all cylinders and what is, is fit and healthy, then I think, uh, I think we've, we've, we've got a chance, but I think um, their offense is, is going to be a difficult thing for us to start. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, the biggest risk issue for this team's pass rush, as we said, and I thought, I think so. If, so right, we'll be saying three wins in, end of the bye. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, so. three wins into the bye. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's probably kind of worst case scenario. Anything else is doomsday, and there's there's changes, right? So we take three wins into the bye, yeah. and then I think that then takes you at a point where there's a stretch of games there yeah. that also will define the season. You know, it will or it, it will put a full stop on the sentence we've already written at that point, if you like. Yeah. Because we'll go to the Jacks, and we've got out of the bye, which is unusual actually to have two road games off the bye, but we're at Jacksonville. Yeah. We, well, we don't really know where they're going to be this season, but I think we've got an idea at Cleveland, which is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, again, that's, that's you know, everybody's favourite off-season winner, but never necessarily actually brings on the field. And this is like a make or break year from, for uh, Baker Mayfield. It is. Yeah, then it we've is. got New England at home. Uh you know, for the first time without Brady, which is refreshing uh, to say. Uh, and then what I think is probably the biggest turning point potentially on the schedule is going to Detroit. 
playing on the 22nd on a Sunday than playing on the Thursday. So you've got three days, effectively, from the game ends yeah. to get yourself ready for that game. Now, if you look back to when we played in this fixture eight years ago, yeah. that was a team that was riding high in 2012. Mm-hmm. And they did, you know, and albeit they won by the Justin Fournette, they thought his knee, knee was called not to be down when, you know, goes and runs off as it looked like the player being called dead. But the team never gained, you know, lost momentum at that point and they ended up losing three of the last four lost home field advantage and that series of games playing two games back to back and they played i'm sure it was jacksonville and it went to overtime mm-hmm. then they then they went there so they played five quarters of football then they went to detroit on an early kickoff it'll be 11 30 central that they'll play 12 30 eastern and they didn't recover from it so you know at Thanksgiving, I think probably we'll know if you know if this if those final five games have been anything by that point. Because if they can go and win three, if not four, which would seem possible, yeah, then then all of a sudden, you know, we've turned the season around. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, as long as we can go into that bye with 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 three wins, um, there's plenty of scope in the rest of the season to turn it around, and it's. You know, it's doable, right? I I don't see. I'm not terrified by the likes of the Lions. I'm not terrified by the Titans. I'm not terrified. It, it's it it could <laughs> it could be as much as you know as much as there's lots of um, there's lots of doubt and lots of ifs and buts. It could be it could be a season that maybe not as not as um, not as good as last season in terms of the number of wins, I think. But I think we, I think it could be a season that we could, we could chalk it up as a as a as a positive season. Uh, but there's so many, so many ifs and buts, right? So many ifs and buts. I mean, one of the one of the things that um, one of the things that 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 I think is is we talk about injuries, we talk about you know injury prone players. Um, but again, an- another thing that that will that, that that will affect as much as injuries is is again this whole coronavirus um, pandemic. You know, if if it's if it's still a thing by this point, that and it will still be a thing, you're going to have players that are going to be uh, testing positive, and then you know those players aren't going to be playing, or players are going to be um, you know uh, taken out. Um, you're going to have a, a sort of I think the effect, effectively a, a bigger injury situation um, and, and, and larger variables in terms of player availability than we've ever had. So, um, you know, where you look at, you know, you look at teams that, I mean, God forbid, if we use, if we use uh, the Texans as an example, you've got a team that is built around one player, really, in terms of its offense. It's, it's entirely dependent on, on Deshaun Watson. What happens if uh, going into a game that's a, that's an easy game and he, he gets tested positive for coronavirus or he gets a cough, right? Um, what happens then? It just it's all it all goes sort of out of the window. The game plan's out of the window, um, and and that's going to affect all the teams as much as it's as much as us. It's going to affect um, the whole thing. This is almost as there's this random thread that's going to follow throughout the season where you know you roll a dice at the start of a game and. It might be that you've got a player that you've got to put in quarantine. I know, you know, these are healthy, fit, healthy guys. So, I, you know, I'd be very surprised if any of them were actually going to be genuinely, you know, at risk by anything if they if they do catch something. But they're traveling around, they're meeting lots of people. Um, unless you put them in a bubble, and you can't put them in a bubble, um, 
the, the chances are some of them are going to be uh, some of them are going to be testing positive, and um, that's going to affect the game, right? That's going to affect that's going to affect potentially how the league shakes out. It's going to affect the, the whole thing. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great point because you wonder if yeah, there could there could be games that if that is still a case now. How likely teams would disclose that in the interest of winning is another is probably <laughs> another matter. Yeah, that's a, that's another point. That's another point. But I, it could be that the league insists on this, right? It could be, you know, they're still working out how some of this stuff is going to work, and it might be that, you know, these guys are in close contact. The it might be that that teams are going to insist that before a game everyone gets tested, right? That's what I would. That's what I would want. You've got millions of pounds worth of of contract asset running around. Um, in close contact, you want to protect your players. You want to protect your team, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I listened to uh, an interview with uh, Joe Staley. Actually, just not to go digress, but he referenced a number of times on that how, with or indirectly, that he had injuries that had never been reported. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty select, and they're not all. Oh, they're not meant to be, but they're selective in where they do report these injuries. So. If a guy goes down with, you know, a cough, um, you know, what's the chances that it doesn't get reported? You know, obviously, if there's something yeah. spluttering on the broadcast every every two seconds, <laughs> then it might get flagged up, and then it becomes a big thing. You know, just like the concussions have in the yeah. last few years, whereas players have played for with concussions for years and years and years, and it's only been in the last sort of three to five years that they've actually started taking them off the field and putting them in the blue tent. So, could this be the new blue tent phenomenon that you go and you get a quick test on this? Like, I don't know. I think it probably have to be done before and after, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole interesting dynamic. Like you said, if you go up to Cleveland, you think, right, this is the, the hardest game out of those four. Yeah. Mayfield, uh, you know, he doesn't look the healthiest chap, let's be honest. Uh, you know, when he's hanging out the back of Cheesecake Factories or whatever he's doing from all the reports <laughs> that you get from him. That uh, he's picked up the corona and um, yeah, and he's not playing. So yeah, it's it, it, this could be quite comfortably the weirdest season yeah. we have ever had. By you know, and it'll never be repeated in some ways. And this obviously this issue will continue just like the common cold has done for you know for as long as you know we've all been alive. But yeah, yeah you make a great point, Mike. And this could be this could be an absolute lottery. Yeah, <laughs> because we're trying to make a prediction here. <laughs> I mean, uh, and that's the, that's that's the thing. I mean. It, it could be. I mean, it's more than likely that the teams are going to absolutely lock their players down, and and you know they're not going to have the freedoms that they're used to having during the season. Um, you know, they're they're going to be shuttled backwards and forwards to training grounds and 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 kept separate from everybody else. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the solution. I don't think the players would put up with that though. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I just think it's, there's you know we're making. I, I still think we should make predictions, but. Um, there's there's a there's this thread of, of of chaos almost potentially, you know, playing games behind closed doors, um, you know, having players taken out. Um, there's there's this there's this uncertainty that everyone's going to be everyone's in the same boat, right? But there's this uncertainty running throughout. Um, so it's just uh, it's just going to be really interesting, really interesting. But we're going to be well, the, the Browns, text, going backwards. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, but the the, te- the Texans yeah. have, have looked to hire a head of hygiene, yeah. um, to to do it. So to to, to come in and, and look after the building and everything like that. So, and it'll be interesting actually, which we probably didn't touch on earlier, was that there's going to come a point where teams will have to they, they will have to let teams into their facilities, regardless if California's governor has got them on lockdown, whether yeah. you know whether it be on the eastern seaboard and their lockdown. They're going to have to just swallow the fact that some teams are going to have a disadvantage by their geography through no fault of their own. Yeah. 
because th this continual lockout of you know because if you think if you if you were managing a group of say but including the practice squad including all the players they're saying you know we're, we're up to I think we're up to uh, I think we're just sh too shy off the 90 man roster at the minute what we've got for pre-season the easiest way for them to be locked down and you know if you know some of them might not be you know available families you've seen that with baseball and you've seen that with with basketball looking like you know they might go to Arizona they might go to Vegas and play at the games there in a controlled environment yep. the easiest way for the Texans to manage that is they put them in the holiday and over the road like you saw in Hard Knocks yep. and they go and they work out and they eat every meal and they work out in the facility and you create that bubble and literally there is the, there is the practice bubble that they can play in you know and you you have to create the most sanitized unnatural environment if you want to avoid stuff like that yep. so that there is possibilities to do that and you know as we go and how this kind of unfolds it'll be interesting to see if if they do so yeah i know that is just the biggest wild card we do i'm i'm confident that and if you look at the history, you know, if you look at, you know, two seasons ago, we, we lost three, you know, lost the first three, then went nine in a row. Bill O'Brien has got an uncanny ability, almost cockroach-like, to come back when it looks like, you know, everybody's mailed it in. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I am I think, Mike, if you agree, win the next four in a row and get, get up to seven and four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with go that. Go for it. Yeah. Go with that. Yeah. And then I think... And I think that's where you get to the business end of this, really. Um, because what's really interesting is now, just depending, like we said there before, where are these players going to be after Thanksgiving yeah. when they've played that game? Now, they've obviously got, you know, they've got from the November 26th to December 6th to get ready for the, the Colts at home. Where, are they, where they are at that point, I don't know. I think when, when I think about Indianapolis, and it seems logical, you know, and like we were in that position for so many years, great roster, some good stars on there. They've obviously brought in DeForest Buckner. Uh, you know, they've, 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 some of the guys, Pittman Jr., Taylor on offense from Wisconsin. You think, actually, you know, if it's some of these guys come and hit the ground running, that's going to be a, a decent unit. And if he's protect, you know, if Rivers is protected behind that line, then there's, you know, there's no reason why, you know, that can't be good. But I think when you watch Philip Rivers, I don't know if you watched the game in Mexico City last year, Mike, yeah, but yeah, I did. he looked brutal. Mm -hmm. And his throwing motion's always been, you know, a bit untraditional uh for one you know for one phrase or another but he did he looked like he'd gone uh and i was surprised to see him take a deal i thought he might retire now interestingly actually philip rivers has already been announced as a high school coach um <laughs> from where he is from where he is i think it's alabama or georgia he's from um so he's he's the head coach in waiting so he's already kind of got one eye on his life the exit after football. strategy yeah. yeah yeah so how good is he going to be with for this one year now and you know chris ballard is a media darling and it irritates me at times because you know he was he was told to build a great roster and there's some brimming potential on that but i think again if i think just like minnesota if you think a team that we can go and target at corner you know pierre desir was there calling himself the hopkins killer He's been released, yeah. Uh, you know, and you've got Rocky Sin, the guy with the temple, who you know was a big-bodied prospect. But he's their main guy at corner now. So again, you know, if we think our team is strength of speed and at wide receiver, and we've got you know five legitimate weapons there, plus the tight ends we've not really touched upon, plus the running back options, that seems like a match. As long as we can handle our business up front, and you know, I think I'm I'm just trying to work through a piece right now on the growth of the, the, the offensive line, I think there's going to have to be some organic growth there uh, this year. Yeah. That kind of seems like a matchup, depending on where Rivers is, which, you know, 
even if he is a world beater or he's back to some of his best, it still feels like we can we can hang with him. I think we can. I think I think I, I like to even though you know we're, if we're making predictions, I want to throw in a few of the games that we should win but don't. <laughs> and I think if there is going to be a game that we should win but we don't win, I think possibly the Colts is going to be that game. Um, you know, it, it, I. I I'm just looking at you look at you look at the history of of Texans cult matchups. Some quite there's quite a few of them where we should have won and but for some reason didn't. And um, this feels like I don't know. It just feels like it could be one. It could be one of those. And I know that you know we've got cult, the Colts again a couple of weeks later. But let's say maybe we'll we'll win one and uh, and and lose one. Uh, that's my that's my uh, that's my prediction. I think we'll win one and we'll lose one. We'll either lose the first one, learn the lesson and win the second one. Or we'll win the first one, get a bit cocky because we win it really well and then lose the second one. That's that's my uh, that, that's my prediction because they're so close together as well. I think it's um I think it's one that we we've we've got we've got the capacity to win it, but I think we'll probably only win one of those two games. Yeah, I tend to agree Mike because the the ability for us yet to try and you know I think it becomes so difficult and it's already and that's why I think it's interesting that they try and clutch these games together at the end of the off season yeah. or the sorry the end of the season in your division because the familiarity there there's only so much you can you know there's only so many ways you can yeah. attack their defense there's only so many looks you can give them yeah. they know what you do well and it just comes to matchups at that point yeah. and some of their matchups potentially you know on the outside you know. Hilton's done us over a number of times, yep. um, more than I care to say that I've watched. And and then, you, you know, does Pittman Jr. come in and guys like that and cause us trouble? Because, you know, our probably second biggest weakness contributor or, or born out of the fact that we potentially have a lack of pass rush is the secondary. Yep. So as well, um, it's not we a secret, do... is it? It's, it's, it's yeah. not a secret as, as, and it's not a new thing either. So they, they know they know us. They know so well, so well. And yeah, and the biggest difference, if I think of that Thursday night game, was I mean it was still reasonably close on the scoreboard. Yeah. So and that was with them not really able to, to 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 move the ball through the air. So you know you just give them a handful of plays, and that game you know potentially turns out a different way. Yeah. So yeah, I think w- when there's two teams that are reasonably well matched in their division, you know it's a huge percentage of them are split. Um, and you, you know, and we, we have, you know, we have, we, and we didn't win there for the longest time until Jalen Strong took that, took that sort of wheel route from uh, Brandon Whedon up there and finally won a game under O'Brien. Yeah. So you know, we, we, and that was you know, predominantly down to Peyton Manning and a bit of Andrew Luck in there as well. So, but yeah, I think I think you're right. So yeah, I think so. That would take us uh, what seven to eight and five into the into the into the. Uh, if we if we say Chicago's a game that we can win, if we think the yeah, I think okay. it's I know um, Watson came out and said actually this week just to digress that Chicago never spoke to him. Yes, I, I saw don't, that. I don't know if that's actually necessarily true because there's been a bit of backlash on that. Yeah, but, um, it's a bit of an overplayed rhetoric now. It's kind of at the point where you're like, well, you know, the decision being made. Trubisky looked like a safe pick at the time. He had all this sort of you know characteristic yeah, pocket a, pattern. It's a big distraction. Guy. It's a distraction. Yeah. It's, there's no need. You know, it's just it's just the players. You know, getting involved, and whenever whenever Watson tweets anything like that, there's always a big ripple around it, isn't there? He knows it. He knows what he's doing. He, he drops out the occasional tweet, doesn't he? He likes a tweet that might be a bit critical of Bill or something like that. And there's always this massive fan sort of reaction. It's just a distraction. He's just messing with us. Yeah, that's right. I think, and I think when when he's got a point to prove as well. Yeah. Um, 
then I think you're he he often he often gets it right. Yeah. I think. Um, so yeah, if you think yeah, if we go up to Chicago, win that game, it'll be cold right enough. So they'll need to be able to run the ball well, and uh, <laughs> and hopefully the a bit like when you saw them uh, with as much much. Uh, Merchandise on underneath their underneath the jerseys they put and the and the pads as they could fit. I think because it, it was uh, it was a cold one. I yeah. think that'll be the same. Um, you're right on the waterfront there. Um, so yeah, it could be a cold one. You think we, we split that one? Yeah. So then I think it then comes down to the last two games, yep. possibly depending on where we get. Yeah. Well, I did say um, I did say I think the Titans game will be a key one for us. That that last game of the season. You know, it's definitely not going to be a. It's definitely not going to be a case of uh, it all being in the bag and not worrying too much about the last few games. I think um, I think that Titans game is going to be critical. But let's go to the Bengals first, because uh, so if we've got yeah, so if we're if I'm tempted to say we drop one in that four stretch now, um, yeah. based on the <laughs> after the bye, based on that, because we're sitting at nine yeah. wins with two games to go. Now it could be one of those ones that talking about that, and I keep thinking about the Thanksgiving game. Do they then? Running a steam potentially, you know, and it, they go to Chicago potentially win, drop drop the second one at Indianapolis on a Saturday, um, and then you've got potentially Joe Burrow where that you know, and the return of DJ Reader at home again. It's an early kickoff. Yeah. Um, you've got the Bengals and Tennessee. Obviously, last year against Tennessee, will ironically let them into the playoffs and they and they won. Uh, yeah. And they, they, you know, they got further than us. But yeah, you got two games there. Um, but probably been maybe I don't think so actually. Maybe we've been reasonably fair, but I don't think we win both those. No, at home. And I think if you were if you were Bill O'Brien and you wanted to concentrate on one of those, um, considering where we're likely to be in the AFC South, uh, I think you're concentrating on the Titans. I think you you want you you maybe I'm not saying you rest people f- for for Cincinnati, but I think you. You you focus has got to be on the Titans, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, looking at that, and obviously, yeah, you said all the we'll push all the variables to the side. I wouldn't be surprised if, and we're quite good at that, of it being an absolute horrible game, but winning, yeah, um, and then potentially lose to Tennessee because, oh, I think sometimes they're not the best matchup for us in some ways yeah. up front. Um, but you never know where that defence will be um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost either one of those um, but still make it into the playoffs but it will be the traditional here we go again wild card early Saturday um, so that would take us to 10 and 6 yeah. which I think is, is is probably you know okay it's the same as last year willing to be surprised but actually I think if you if you offered me that 10 and 6 right I'd, now I'd take that now I'd take it I yeah. think I think there's a degree of um, fan service in some of our predictions possibly um, across that I think I think we I think that's the best case scenario I think yeah possibly I think yeah, where my mind hinders is yeah. potentially have we got the ability to pick it up down the stretch yeah. yes but actually if you think of last year you think of the year before yeah we faded down the stretch for whatever reason, last year it was defense. the The year before it was offense. Actually, we just couldn't run the ball. Yeah, and actually, um, we couldn't run the ball. Um, there was a lot of pressure on Washington. We couldn't we couldn't protect the passer as well. So, like our issues have been different, but the end, but the results have been the same. But based on the, the early schedule, I think I've got a, a faith that we can potentially piece it together. Yeah, but I think ten and six is probably about right because are we going to go and win four games in a row? We've only ever done that once in O'Brien's era in the nine game stretch. 
two years ago. So you think possibly coming out of the bye, we dropped one of those games there because three of them are on the road. One of them's on five-day rest, so to win four is maybe not quite there. But then again, if we do that, then I'd probably, you know, as I said, O'Brien's ability to come back then you win those last two games at home if you go 500 with the Colts. So, yeah, yeah 10 and 6, I think's fair. Yeah. Um, but we've got, think, to get, got to get the three going into the bye, though. That's absolutely yeah. critical. Without that, it Yeah, that's where it was in there. I think, yeah, yeah any less than that, I think, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it could be uh, a storm of brewing and all those people that uh, have had their pitchforks out for O'Brien for a long time. And some, you know, and a lot of them rightly so at points. Uh, might get their wish so that's why I, I put that in an article at the um at the weekend there and I, and I said you know whatever side of the fence you sit on yeah you're probably you're, you're probably going to take a step closer with this schedule with it how it how it's kind of banned out you know if you want your wish yeah you careful what you success. wish for though careful what you wish for i mean it, you know it, if you look at soccer so um i remember aston villa supporter unfortunately and um you know, there was a long time uh, we sat at the bottom of the premiership and people started saying things like, well, you know, if we go down, we can make all these changes and we can come back stronger. But you go down, you, you it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible experience. So you uh, you make all of these changes and, you you know, if it goes horribly wrong and you, and you, you have a clear out and you have a clear out of management and it it doesn't all come back together quickly. It's not it's not you're not going to have a suddenly the next season post Bill O'Brien isn't going to suddenly be a huge success. It doesn't work that way. You know, you build a team, you build a team, it doesn't just come come together overnight. So you want to transition. Yeah. You don't you don't want to be you don't want to be having a horrible season and firing everybody. You wanna you wanna be doing it calmly. You wanna be having a nice calm transition that planned and that's that's the way to do it. Absolutely. If, if if the reset button is hit, that's if it's. I, it's I mean, my, my yeah. I hope it isn't. To be honest, I you know, it's, it's not it's not necessarily yeah. the most popular opinion on Reddit or on, on Twitter or definitely not Facebook. But you know, you got to give the guys due. We, you know, we we make playoffs. We've not got you know on paper, the stats aren't great, but we're winning the games. We were winning the games we needed to win just to scrape through, and you know. That's that, that's a degree of success that many teams haven't had during that same period. So it will be if they do if they do hit the reset button this year, and they, and it's likely. And yeah, you know, I I think if it's if it's anything less than where we got to last year, I think you you probably don't. Well, I think in one way you don't have a choice, but then secondly, I think coming in in a year where you've got no first or second round pick, which is not the be all and end all, and that's been so overplayed to yeah. the point of not of nausea. Absolutely. Um, but if you don't have that, your ability to come in and change it is different. But I think what people forget is the biggest challenge, and I'm sure it was uh, Dimitrov at the Falcons said, until you find your quarterback, it's an all-consuming search that will take over everything you ever do in your role. So that is, that's in-house, and that, that's changed the way that the, the team attacks it. And it's, that's a, a big change of mindset for people and the way they've gone about aggressively getting a left tackle, but, you know, et cetera, you know, making big moves now some of them you know are you know potentially going to hit us in 2023 when we've got a bit of a cap issue because it looks like 2021 we're going to be up against the cap after watson gets signed albeit you know with the the, the moving salary cap and income yeah. all tbc but i think it would be the most unique time ever in this team's history because if you think about it uh, rick smith was a holdover over coaches yeah. he was a holdover into th- you know three different coaches um, after Charlie Castle left, you know, Brian Game came in. There was talk of alignment, didn't quite pan out. Um, with Brian Game, now he's doing it all his own way. Um, he's supposedly 
you know, not within his necessarily always within his nature, but he's given autonomy to people like Anthony Weaver and Tim Kelly to go and call plays, yeah. which is, you know, two rookie play callers is something that's probably, a, you know, an interesting storyline. We talked about how terrible Vrabel was um, and he was so slow to make changes yeah. and pick up on things. Yeah. Okay, you know, every, you know, another media darling, everybody raves about him um, as, a, as a head coach. Um, but, you know, there's going to be teething problems there, I think, in that as well. So when you add it all in, it's kind of hard, you know, even the grandest optimist, I think, if you were to say everything going our way, injuries, play calling, you know, yeah. players form, yeah. because we're going to have to have, you know, on this defence, which is, you know, not to get sidetracked, we've gone on for a bit now, Mike, but on this defence, if we don't have guys that really rise up, whether it's Jacob Martin, Chuck Amenehu, whether it be you know, somebody in the secondary, Gary and Connolly or whoever it might be. If we don't have some, you know, a number of guys that come and take their level of play that we've previously seen to another level, that defence, there's not going to be getting away. You know, there's no, you can't hide a bad pass rush. And that's, that's the biggest concern. I I got asked about what do you think for the the, the Texans season is? And I said, the biggest concern is the pass rush. And And unless that gets sorted out, unless Blacklock comes in and just knocks guys out of the way, you know, and collapse, continues to clap, collapse the pocket, racking up three, four pressures, five pressures a game. It's tough to be, you know, to think actually, like you said, 10 wins is probably the ceiling for this team this year, which is a bit of a depressing thought based on the moves made. But if you wanted to be a hopeless optimist, you could say that that's because that's a relative unknown now for us. There's There's been enough change that we might actually surprise, we might surprise people, you know. Um, it could be that... Um, it could be that actually that that problem fixes itself quite early on. You know, maybe we'll surprise a few teams. And uh, you know, we we said uh, just 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 earlier that you know the likes of the Colts they know us very well. They know where our weaknesses are. But actually, we've made enough changes that potentially we you know maybe we've changed things up a bit. Maybe maybe we're going to be a bit less predictable. Certainly early on in the season, maybe that'll help us to get our three going into the bye. Maybe. Maybe I'm just being yeah. too, too optimistic. You know, we, yeah. could, we, we could potentially get four yeah. and uh, and then maybe win three out the, of the four at the bye and then you're at, you know, you're still at seven, you know, regardless. And it kind of just looks a bit different. Yeah. To, you know, if you get the four early, then that kind of just puts a whole new complexion. So Absolutely. I think going, if going into the bye with four would be unbelievable. I think we'd be, I'd be extremely happy with that. Extremely happy. Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest issue for me right now is... Two things will finish off. Who's who's going to play safety? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's maybe not on the roster yet, but we, we need somebody that can cover. Well, the roster's the far secondary. from complete, I think. Yeah. Far from complete. So who's going to play safety? Yeah. Um, do we bring Eric Reedon, who's basically a linebacker, mm-hmm. um, to bring with his brother? I think that would be a dream for them both. It would. Potentially. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and I think we're beyond the kneeling of all that you know, days gone by and, you know, Kenny Stills freely kneels and it was never picked up. So I think people have kind of moved away from the, the, the full fatuation of that and and potentially he's an option. Uh, but there's not many out there. And I think, you know, somebody like Effers and Griffin of that mantra, you know, to come in and or that ability, if you like, to come in and hold up at the point of attack is going to need some probably depth there because I'm not too convinced that we can rely on Timmy Jernigan to be healthy and I don't think we can necessarily rely on Blackston and Dunn to be down and, you know, they're two down players a pair, um, but we probably need somebody else that can hold up at the point of attack and create pressures that we probably don't have. That being said, the answer to all these problems, and it's been an answer that, you know, Romeo Cornell never worked out, that you put JJ inside 
because uh, if you watch JJ in his rookie year, there's a four-man front and he's inside every time mm-hmm. playing against centres and guards. Right. So, um, you know, they might finally waken up to that and tell him that you're playing inside and, uh, you know, that's, you will, you know, on even fronts, you'll be, you'll not be, you know, you'll not be necessarily trying to bend the edge because he's probably not got that electric first step that he used to have. No. And actually, he's probably more suited to technique inside to win there. So, you know, if, if that if that realisation that everybody's been probably been screaming for <laughs> might keep him, all season. Might keep him more um, healthy as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you think there's probably, you know, there's, it's, it's you know, there's, uh, well, yeah, he's maybe coming up against more bodies, but that that that's got to be an option. And yeah, I think you know how do we win the pass rush? And then just finally, we just will touch off. There's been interest in uh, Larry Warford. Uh, much talk about Zach Fulton to the point where it's, I don't normally get kind of worked up about stuff, but people are desperate to sort of make a change in the offensive line where. Where continuity is everything, I always think between the five. You don't necessarily need to have the big, the best, you know, the most talented guys at each position. But if there's if there's a level of chemistry there, then I think you, you've got the makings of a good old line, long as the talent's you know reasonable at each spot. Yeah. Um, and you you know the good days of of Winston and and Chris Myers inside and uh, Wade Smith and you know those guys always talk about they had an, an unbelievable level of understanding that you didn't even need to say it. You just gave them the nod and they knew what you meant mm-hmm. and wait how you were going to play it. Um, what do you think of that about the kind of changes on the O line? Because that's going to be probably one of the most underrated storylines. If this team is has a level of pass protection that can un, you know unleash a lot of the speed, then you know those two things go hand in hand, and that's what we're banking on to be successful. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those, as you say, it's one of those ones where you don't necessarily need to have lots of stars, but you just need to have a group of people that know what they're doing <laughs> and know what each other is doing, and and. Um, you say Larry Warford um, was was he Pro Bowl? Um, well, I think I don't think. I mean, Trubisky's been the Pro Bowl, yeah, right? So yeah. it's just he, yeah. he's an if you're an, if you're an alternate invite, I just think these days there's so many people pull out injury yeah, and don't want to play. Fair um, so it's all pro or nothing. A bit like my birthday parties, days. mate. That's what that is. <laughs> is <it? laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's 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 a they're kind of unsung heroes if they're getting it right, uh, but if they get it wrong, then they're uh, then they're villains, aren't they? Um, we, we, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just so much. <laughs> There's so much. I think I think if we if we can add to add some some stability, um, Wolford seems seems like a good uh, good option. Um, but there are other options out there as well, aren't there? Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a it's a must-have building block. Um, never never gonna never gonna sort of be the uh, the poster boys, unfortunately. Poor guys. Yeah, but I think yeah. I mean, Zach Fulton he gave up one sack last year. People are desperate to run him off. There's you know people got obsessed about dead cap hits, and he's yeah. got a zero dead cap if you hit him off seven million. You're probably going to pay the guy the same. But I think if you bring Warford in, you, from my point of view, what you need to do is keep him in and you get rid of guys like Kelamente, uh, who's probably not going to make the roster anyway. I think he's a bit of a four million save and zero dead cap hit. And actually it builds the, you know, you don't take out, you know, who was, you know, three years ago was our best lineman, Zach Fulton. Let's, let's not forget yeah. that. Uh, you know, I think Sharp, you can't touch Sharp and he's got to play and he's got to, he's got to develop at left guard. So, Center's not going to change, and the, you know, and Zach Fulton's actually his best position as center, and that was what was the surprise when they extended Martin was that I thought Zach Fulton might move to center because he took a lot of snaps in preseason last year at center. 
So if you if you're if you're desperate to bring Warford in and you think he's a talent, it's fine. But you watch him, his feet look a bit slow and I don't think he's as good as in pass protection and we want to, hopefully, what we want to see is not a further commitment to running the ball because we've not really got a pounder of the you know of the rock on the roster yeah. now because Hyde's gone and he might come back on a cheap deal, you never know, or it'll be you know, Karan Higdon who I think is now healthy, wasn't healthy last year, stashed him on the practice squad. Luckily nobody picked him up. Good college tape at Michigan. So if he can come in and in uh, in play, then you know he's potentially the, the the pounder that we've not talked about. But I think if you're going for Warford, it's because they want to improve the run, uh, you know, the run fits rather than the pass protection. Because I don't think he's any better than Fulton. But if he comes in and he's a he's a, a piece, there's always injuries. Just like when they drafted Charlie Head, yeah. people criticised it. But I would much rather have somebody then that can come in and develop than see Chris Clark come in because he was he was verging on the uh, Sharice Wright Awards last year wasn't he yeah. in terms of being a liability out there so. I think the offensive line last season though was better than the season before you think about the season before uh, it was possibly one of the worst ones in the in the whole of the NFL wasn't it like statistics yeah without wise, a doubt I think and what what sticks out in in, uh, in my head is you, you watch I've just just been doing a bit where I've, I've gone piecing all the sacks together and trying to work through it and I'm going to get it out probably next week if you watch week one last year Fulton was the best best lineman of that. And actually, on week one, if you think where that line was last year, yeah. we've never had the same offensive line start uh, two seasons back-to-back or finish one and start the next one back-to-back since 2014. And that I mean, it means a lot for continuity on that line. Uh, week one against the Saints, Tunsil had only been signed five days yeah. earlier. Howard was at left tackle. Okay, Martin at centre was the only constant. Right guard was Kelamenti. Yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, left guard was Kelamenti, sorry. Uh, center was was uh, was Martin. Right guard was Fulton, who was a bit, and then it was you know, and we all forget was Henderson at right tackle. Now over the season we we found it, and I think if when you when you see after week three when they moved to that chosen five of Tunsil, Sharping, Martin, yeah. Fulton, Howard, that was the best we played, and you're only as good as the guy next to you. And if any if anybody's going to criticise Zach Fulton is because if you watch how well he played when he had Titus Howard next to him versus Chris Clark yeah. or Roderick Johnson. Now, Roderick Johnson's a decent swing tackle and they, and they, they messed him about and didn't let him get enough snaps. So again, there was the, and they continually rotated that out. Um, so the, the only time they, they, they dropped Fulton was they put uh, Mar- um, Greg Manson against uh, the Panthers, which was not a good game, which was, it was our second most sacks we gave up all season. He took a terrible concussion on the last game of the, uh, the last play of the game, and he's not been back since. So he's got health concerns, mm-hmm. um, man. So he could well, you know, not necessarily, but again, a better centre. But he's somebody that plays two spots reasonably well, so you keep around. So if you bring Warford in, I think it's because you you move out Kelamenti, and it's between him and Manx to cut to, to fill a backup role, and it's a better backup. Yeah. But it's a more expensive backup when we're against the cap. So it's been interesting, I think that because when you're des- you know, people are desperate to trade out people, you know, and you see. Kenny Stills, you know, it was rumoured in the Athletic, Baron Reese, you know, Kenny Stills might be the odd man out, but, you know, again, I just don't see how we could move that when people have been upset about moves, mm-hmm. but yet there seems to be this clamouring for new and change and, and, and trading out players, uh, you know, when it suits them. But I don't, I don't think O'Brien really worries too much about fans being upset about moves. I don't think that, that, that doesn't play at all, I don't think, in his planning. I think he'll do whatever he wants to do. That's it. I mean, you know, if if that, if he if he decides to do that, um, I don't think fans being upset is a is a thing. Oh, he doesn't care. Yeah, I no, don't even think he cares too much about players <laughs> being upset about it. To be honest, either from the from the fallout from 
from everything so far. Yeah, no, definitely. It's interesting just because I think, there's, as you said, there's still moves to be made, but I think bringing in Warford and letting Fulton go, I think making change on that, which has been mooted, it's not necessarily got any substance there, but it seems to continue to get a buzz partly because there is no sport in the world. So it's an incremental, it'd be an focused. incremental improvement. I think. I don't think. I don't think there's anything. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think if we're going to spend for, for me, if we're going to spend money on anybody, it's bringing somebody else that can push the pocket up front and yeah. the defense. It doesn't have to be an offensive line. We've invested so many picks in that now, and a free agent. If it was a younger alternative to take over, yeah. and then you, you you save seven and you paid him, you know, six and a half, seven to come in, you play on, but they're the same age, summer level ability. One's better at pass, one's better at run protection. I just don't see the fascination with that. But yeah, I think it's because people have time, and hopefully, you know, a guy like Kenny Stills, I know he's only got one year left in his deal, but I really liked how he came in. I was, you know, so pleasantly surprised by. What he brought to the team is like, you know, probably a top two or three wide receiver three. Yeah. It just looked like we finally it was great to watch because the passing attack at times, <laughs> the twelve not the twelve noon kickoffs outstanding <laughs> was was uh, it looked like it was all coming together. So um, and I think that's probably the wee bit of the upset, isn't it? Right with Hopkins going out, it looked like it was maybe coming together offensively. We're getting there. But I think it looks like, you know, and O'Brien said the other day, the philosophy has spread the ball around. And the biggest part of inconsistencies of this offense, 12 o'clock kickoffs, was over targeting Hopkins or him being shadowed out yeah. and Watson not not being willing enough to look for other options. Now he's got no choice. So his growth is all on Watson. Yeah, you can't be a one-trick on pony. Else. And we were a one-trick pony for many games. It, it, you know, if, if a team figured out how to, how to stop uh, stop that one pass <laughs> that we were making over and over. Then, then they they were improving their chances of beating us exponentially, right? So, um, the best example I can give on that was week six, Kansas City, fourth and three or fourth and two. It was to ice the game, yeah. slant inside, Hopkins, game over, right? Yeah. Next week, go for the exact same play. Teams read it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the guy, the guy Moore, who actually picked off Watson in the second game. Uh, follows him inside the slot corner, incomplete, um, and it was so obvious. Went back to the same play on a fourth down. Yeah. Week, and that was just a small example, and that'll probably get you know brushed over and missed off. But what what that showed was there was an over reliance on Hopkins. One, he had to go into the slot. Uh, to find the ball because he wasn't necessarily getting the separation outside, and I think that was what they tried to sort of you know probably prematurely, but over. But overthink slightly, but that awareness that the the separation wasn't always there yeah. as consistently, consistent, consistently rather as it had been the year before. And if this ball is spread around more through the air, particularly tight ends, and I think the tight ends is such an underrated, you know, group that could potentially flourish this year. Yeah. And you know, the ideal is you want you know, fells the snaps to kind of slowly dwindle over the year and he hands it over to the younger guys and they all realise their potential. And that's probably wishful thinking there, right? But the, if if the ball spread about this offence, it's got, you know, I think that's the most, probably the most exciting, you know, thing that you can probably take and hold on and be excited about this year yeah. is the ability for this offence to, to look different but just be diverse. And that's never been yeah. something we've heard under O'Brien. Hopefully Tim Kelly can realise it. That. that introduces a lack of predictability that is really important, really important. Um, and that's, that goes back to, to something I noticed uh, towards sort of the end of last season where clearly, you know, the instruction uh, was to not rely on Hopkins so much. Um, and there were there were many instances where you could sort of see where, where, where they sort of got the close-ups where if he wasn't getting served, he wasn't happy about it. 
you know he really wasn't happy about it and uh, i do i do just wonder how much pressure um how much pressure he sort of put on the court back to to sort of did he did he feel that he had to keep serving him is it is it do you know what i mean is that that, that relationship um, oh yeah, I think that does, mate. I think you're spot on, you know. And you, yeah, as you said, we see the tip of the iceberg on the field, yeah. you know. And it, you know, you know, if you're at training camp, you see a bit more. And but you know, you're still only seeing you know, fifteen twenty percent, you know, top. So yeah, like I think you know, I was you know, all the stuff will be written, and we'll never quite know. I've no. heard some stories from guys I know in Houston about stuff that went on. I don't know the validity, so I wouldn't necessarily repeat it. Yeah, and I think form, I know what you're but, talking you know, about, and I, I wouldn't either. But yeah, I've, I've heard yeah. some stuff that's pretty, pretty. You, you've got to wonder whether it's true, and if it's true, then that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, yeah. So I think that the stuff that's gone on there potentially that we don't know about, and it's uh, it's yeah, time for a change. And look, I think there should never be one player bigger than the club, right? And I think we've got to move on and be excited about the offense and. If the defense can just have some semblance of impact, then you've got a chance. Maybe ten and six is good enough, and then it all just comes down to have you got enough have you got enough form in the playoffs to 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 see you through. And there's only one seed now, so that that all those years are missing out on the two seed narrowly. Yeah. They're gone. We don't need to worry about that now. There's an extra team in the playoffs, so this team will likely go into the playoffs, and it'll just be how is health and all these kind of things put to that point. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think we've covered everything there, Mike. I think in, uh, in, uh, in, as, as the season uh, potentially looms for us, I think we've uh, pretty much covered all, all, all possibilities. So we'll need to see if we're right <laughs> as time goes on. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Yeah, so uh, definitely need to get you on again. Yeah, thanks, and, uh, and thanks very much for your time. And I hope you're all, you and the family are all staying safe. Yeah, and, you too. Uh, yeah, catch up with you soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you.